Welcome. Welcome. I'm Father Mitch Packwell. Welcome to EWTN Live, where we bring you guests from all around the world. We didn't have to go too far around the world, but it's about being around the world. Our guest tonight can be seen on Thursday evenings discussing the latest news affecting the Catholic Church and the world. His show is called The World Over. So that's as close to getting somebody from around the world as I could get tonight. Interviewing, he interviews celebrities and church officials. Also, he's frequently joined by the great Father Gerald Murray and Robert Royal in a field that they call the Papal Posse. I don't like it. There's no horses. There's no lassos. But what do I know? We wear big boots. On <laughs> yeah. You don't see them, but they're yes, there, Father. Uh, I need to see them. <laughs> Tonight, he's shifting gears a bit and joining us, where we do wear boots and belts and such, to talk about another aspect of his work, which is writing children's books. His newest is Just in Time for Christmas, and he is poised to shed some clarifying light on the traditional story of the three magi. Take a look at this. The wise men are three of the most beloved characters of Christmas. But what if they were neither kings nor from the Far East? Now in a thrilling new adventure for the whole family, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, New York Times best-selling author Raymond Arroyo reveals the true hidden story of the mysterious Magi, who spied a spectacular star in the sky and undertook a dangerous journey to follow the light, go to the king, and race into the middle of the greatest story ever told. Based on new historical evidence, the wise men who found Christmas captures the true wise men and reminds us that chasing truth is often the most exciting adventure of all. All right, so please welcome New York Times best-selling author of The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, Raymond Arroyo. Raymond, you, it's Father. been a long what time. What a I know. I'm glad to be back. I you know. took The Wise Men to deliver me back to, uh, to EWTI. See, I thought it Pretty was that good. posse I sent out to bring you back to Alabama. The posse, the papal posse. <laughs> That's what we had to fight off the wise men to get here. No, I, I'm delighted. Thank you for having me back. Yeah. And it's a perfect time of year to do it. And, yep. and yep. I love yep. this... Um, this, you know, I, people say it's a children's book. I always call them family reads yeah. because my vision is that families will come together and experience them as one. They're mm -hmm. really made to be encountered that way. Both the, the spider who saved, who found, who saved Christmas, and the wise men who found it. It's, it's, uh, they're meant to be experienced because I think older generations bring something and a, a, a world and a life experience that children don't have. And children have eyes, and they see things in the illustrations and in the story that their elders sometimes miss. So exactly. together, you get the full experience. And, you know, this is one of the things, too, that uh, is just part of human life. Mm -hmm. The very young and we old people conspire together against the middle <laughs> ones who are parents. Right. That is correct. <laughs> and such as a it book, should be. Uh, yeah, as it should be. Yeah. You know, that uh, the, the, the elderly are gloating that the ones in the middle have to take care of these kids who are just like they were when they were kids. <laughs> right. And then the kids, like, look up to well, And even the wise the men, elders. look, the traditional, we think of the wise men as three, 
the gospel only mentions three gifts, not three wise men. Right. You know, and right. as we were talking right. earlier, the Coptic church says there were 60 wise men. Uh, the Armenian and Syrian church says there might have been 12, which I'm a little partial to, yeah. as you see in that first spread which we showed. Uh, I, I think there were probably 12 plus wise mm -hmm. men. We don't yeah. really know the number, but that seems that seems more accurate than three. Yes. So, um, also the king thing, we think of them as kings, a three kings day and king's day, we have king cake in New Orleans and the, mm -hmm. the feast of the epiphany, we always talk about these kings. They weren't kings, yeah. they weren't kings. You know, you, and, and usually, so I wanted to explode some of the myth and root us in the historic reality, which is more adventurous, more exciting than the story we've been led to believe all these years. The, the idea of kings is because it's associated in Isaiah that kings from around the world right. will come. Right. But in fact, magi were typically servants of kings. Correct. They were foretelling the future. They were doing astrology and different kinds of reading, magical reading stuff. Reading dreams, right. the soothsayers. I mean, there was a host of sort of duties of a magi, but you're right. They were attached to kings normally or consults to the king. This goes back to the Old Testament, Daniel reading dreams. And I mean, we see this throughout the, the era, the ancient right. era. Right. So it made sense to me once you, once you realize they're not kings and they're not from the Far East, where did they come from? Right. Well, our first and second century sources tell us, Justin Martyr, uh, Tertullian, uh, Eusebius, they all write, they came from Arabia. They mm -hmm. came from east of Judea to worship the Christ child. Mm -hmm. It's right there. And for some reason, in the ensuing centuries, by the time you get to the fifth or sixth century, suddenly they're kings from the far east and they came from Persia or they came from some far-flung kingdom we've never heard of. I wanted to root it back in, in the biblical reality, but the historic reality, because those fit. And when you wonder where did they come from, the gifts are good and big clues to where they came from, Father, mm -hmm. which is the kingdom of Nabate. And the moment I heard the kingdom of Nabate, I thought, I've got to write this story just to use the kingdom of Nabate. It's so yeah. exotic. Um, All right, wait a minute. Okay. Where is the Nabatean community? Uh, Where is it? Yeah. It's just on the other side of the Dead Sea. So you've got Jerusalem here, you've got the Dead Sea, and then you've got modern-day Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iraq. That was all part of the kingdom of Nabate at the time. But there were three commodities, three sought-after uh, uh, goods that were only made in Nabate. And they point, modern-day Petra would have been the capital right. of the kingdom of Nabate. Right. For those who can't remember that, you've been there, yeah. I know. Uh, I, I've been there as well. For those who might not know, if you've ever seen the end of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that's what uh, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford are riding out of a temple in, Nab in, in what would have been Petra, N Nabate, it's current day Petra. That's, the, that's Petra. They carve buildings into the sides of mountains. It's incredible architecture. Yeah, it's, Petra means rock. Right. And they carved these buildings into the rock. They didn't cut stones out and put them up. Yeah. They carved it right out of the rock. It, it's, it's stunning. It's stunning to see. Stunning it to really see. is. So the, the three, those three goods, frankincense, gold, and myrrh, were controlled by or made in the kingdom of Nabate. Mm -hmm. The uh, mythical, but not mythical, because archaeologists tell us it existed, the King Solomon's mines, the mines of Midian, gold mines, we have the remnants of all of that. 
That was in the right. kingdom of Nabate right. in Arabia. Um, frankincense and myrrh was made only in Nabate. Mm -hmm. It's from tree sap. I didn't know this. It yeah. comes from tree sap. Mm -hmm. And um, frankincense, of course, is burned. Myrrh is an oil um, uh, which mm -hmm. appears in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. It's what they give Jesus to dull the pain. Yeah, it's, it's and, and it's used, you can get it in uh, liquid form, you can get it in crystallized form, mm. and uh, you can burn it as incense, but it's, it, and it has a nice smell when you burn yeah. it uh, in the crystal form, but it's also a liquid, and you use it also for anointing the dead bodies. Right, right. You know, so all of that, it, 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 a lot of folks don't realize that it's these kind of saps yeah. that people used for medicine right. and you know, as well as sweet smells mm -hmm. in contrast to some of the other smells that you might have around. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, remember, people didn't bathe so much in the old world, so sure. you needed to freshen up the air to kind of break the, break the scent. That and was they also, uh, also in, you see, in, for instance, in Joseph's workshop, they had these little hooks there to tether up the donkeys inside the building because they were the heating system. Aha. Uh -huh. But they were also not the deodorizer. Yeah, no, they, <laughs> you needed something to cut that smell. Right. But th so they're bringing very precious gifts. And these were expensive commodities at the time, yes. gold and frankincense yes. and myrrh and sought after in the old world. So the wise men, whoever they are, and we'll get to that in a second, they're bringing these gifts as tribute. And as you said earlier, they're serving a king. If they served the king in Petra, they would have to uh, go to him, go to the king of Nabate and say, mm -hmm. what do we do here? His name was Aratus. We know mm -hmm. who he was. Mm -hmm. Historically, he's there. They very likely went to that king, uh, asked permission to go see this Messiah whose star they saw at its rising, and it, it, it aligned with the prophecies that they'd been steeped in and been reading. Mm -hmm. um, and off they go. But they're on a royal diplomatic mission. So that's the historic frame that I wanted to kind of mm -hmm. put out there. Now, look, this is an adventure tale for the whole family. It's not deep research. If you go into my author's note, I get into all the details of this. But I wanted to introduce families to this reality because I think it's far more interesting, mm -hmm. far more compelling, and offers greater lessons than the three tired kings clumping through the desert on their camels mm -hmm. trying to find the Christ child mm -hmm. over months or years even mm -hmm. as some of these accounts yeah. claim. Yeah, and I think um, you know, to have that sense of you know, who these people are and you know, if it can even connect a little bit with some things you see in the Old Testament, mm -hmm. when you hear about the gold of Ophir, mm -hmm. this is from Yemen. Yep. And the trade routes between Yemen, Mecca, mm. Nabatea, right. all these different places were very ancient. These right. are very old, ancient, not highly populated areas, but yeah. Yeah. these were very clever people yeah. who learned how to use the water mm. systems and invent incredible water systems. Yeah. And they did well in the desert. Yeah, in the middle of the desert. And they controlled all those trade routes because they ran north to south and east to west yes. through the kingdom of Nabate. So it makes sense these wise men would have traveled those trade routes yeah. and gone around the Dead Sea right to Jerusalem. That's only a three to five day journey. 
yeah, particularly yeah. As, as, as I believe, they, and you see the image there, I love the idea of putting them on Arabian steeds. You like that too, yeah. Rich. You could have been a, Father, you could have been a wise man in the, in the day with your steed. No, but no, wise guy maybe. Wise but, guy. Yeah. Well, uh, remind me later, a friend of mine, a Jewish friend of mine has a different title that I might have, could be my working title for the next book. But um, I love the idea of them on the Arabian steeds, which were introduced in the kingdom of Nabate a mm -hmm. hundred years before Jesus. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense that the Arabians would be used to go on that three-day journey to Jerusalem rather than the camels. Camels were for pack, heavy packs and for carrying uh, you know, goods and, and, yeah, and yeah. heavy... heavy uh, uh, they were for freight. Freight, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, the other thing I didn't learn until I did a special on this topic with a horse trainer, the Arabian horse, which I didn't know, the reason Arabians are so special, they have one less rib than the other breeds of horse. So it allows their lungs to expand and they can run for longer distances without tiring. That's why the Arabians are the sort of Ferrari of horses. Do you know who really their cool. ancestor was? No, tell me. Bukephalus. Oh, yeah, of course. That's right. Bukephalus was the horse of Alexander the Great, mm -hmm. and he bred him yep. and uh, his uh, the, to mares, and the the shape of their face, Very long. like mm. like an ox. That's wow. what Bukephalus means, yeah. ox head. Wow. And the, that concave shape comes from him. They say. Amazing. No, amazing. So I love that idea. Again, it. It takes it away from this kind of solemn procession and turns it into an adventure where they're being pursued by God as much as they're pursuing God. You know, I love that idea, that, that, that give and take. And isn't that what we all experience? Exactly. Isn't that everybody's journey? You get a little glimmer and then it goes away and you mm -hmm. have to pursue it in faith and you get a little glimmer and then it goes away. But the adventure is the vitality, the urgency of their journey. I wanted to restore that. We've lost that somewhere in the cultural shuffle here. And now they're confined to these Fontanini figures that, you know, look like, I don't know what they look like, three old kinks carrying good, doing a drop off at the Christchild's. Yeah. Here you go, great to see you. That's not what happened. Yeah. It was far more urgent and important than that, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, and, the route that you would take from the Batea, you know, would take you fairly close to Bethlehem, but yeah. more directly, we see they go to Herod. Yeah. Talk a little bit about yeah. why they go to Herod. Well, again, putting it in the historic context, they couldn't have crossed. Herod had, as you know, he, they're still there. He had barricades and fortress all along the border of Judea and Nabate. He was protecting his border and his ground. You couldn't just walk in. You needed passport. You needed passage to get in. Well, if you were on a diplomatic mission, you might be granted passage, but your first stop would have to be the king or a kingly official mm -hmm. to continue on in his land. So they go right to him first. And again, the gospel account is correct. The gospel account, it, you know, and these are oral traditions, you know. Bits of the story fall out, bits of it remain, but the, 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 the fragments of the story we have, it's just 12 verses about the wise men. And look at the power of that. Every Christmas, they're the most popular figures of Christmas after Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And that's because in the Eastern world, as we were discussing the other day, in, in South and Central America, the three kings are a big deal. And mm -hmm. the epiphany 
is when the whole Eastern Church celebrates their Christmas. Exactly. It's, the, it's the wise men finding the Christ child. So why? Why? And I kept asking myself, why do we still venerate these figures? Why are they important? What are they trying that's, to tell us? That's a key question. Yeah. Because it somehow resonates with something inside people. Yeah. Well, I mean, there is, the, there is that, that line where, you know, he would be the light to the Gentiles. This child would be the light to the Gentiles. And I, I think there's something in the wise men. Look, I, I spent eight months researching this before I put pen to paper for the picture book. Didn't touch it. I, it was going to be a chapter book originally mm -hmm. because I found this great research and I was so on fire about the material. But it seems to me we are all somewhere between the shepherds and the wise men mm -hmm. every moment of our lives. We're either very simply accepting what we're hearing and what we're seeing and going to the manger, or we, we are wrapped up in our own mental gymnastics and the busyness and the passions of the day, and God finds us in that and draws us more slowly on. Mm -hmm. But we're both called. We're all called. And you're called not to sit in your great knowledge and stew in it, but to move to action and go toward the truth you're being driven to. Look, sitting here, I have to tell you, and it, it, when I came in the other day, the, the, this room was empty, and they just had one little light, and it was here on this little area. And I, I, I was standing over there, and a tear kind of came to my eye because I thought of Mother Angelica sure. and so many evenings spent here with her. Yeah, yeah. And the, the watchword she gave me 26 years ago now, Father, when I started this, you know, when she started the World Over, started the news division, she said, follow the truth wherever it leads. Mm -hmm. Follow mm -hmm. the truth wherever it leads. She said, it may not always lead to a comfortable place, but you've got to go there, sweetheart. Mm -hmm. And I feel a little bit that that's the message of the wise men for us. Mm -hmm. They got on their steeds. They knew they were risking danger. You asked about Herod. Herod killed three of his sons and a wife to protect his throne. This was not a kind, sweet guy who invited you over to mm -hmm. tea. He'd mm -hmm. slice your throat as soon as look at you if he felt you threatened his throne. He also drowned his brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who was a priest. Yeah, he was the high priest. He was the high priest, yeah. and he drowned him uh, playing, horsing around in the, in the pool. Yeah, well. And, and it's all fun until somebody gets hurt. Yeah, well. But, he, but it was, you know, something that he, he planned to do. And he, to get a sense of this guy, when he was dying, he knew he was dying. Right. And he knew everybody hated him. Mm -hmm. So he had a couple hundred teenagers arrested and put in prison and he said as soon as I die execute them all because I know they won't cry for me but I'll give them something to cry about mm -hmm. now that's this is not a nice guy no he's a brutal guy and in, in a brutal time we should say this was kind of the way it, the way these kings protected their throne it was political alliances but it was life and death they're, they're, the stakes were high so when these wise men march into his throne room and say, Herod, we've come to congratulate you. We want to see the newborn king of Judea. Yeah. We've come to, we saw his start. It's rising. Mm -hmm. This guy's reaching for the saber. You know, he's yeah. looking for, what, what kid do I need to kill? Yeah. And the, I, so I raise the drama of that a little bit, visually and otherwise in the story, so that you get a sense that these wise men are not just you know, this is not a howdy Herod and they move on to the child. No, it's a danger to their lives to even go to him. But they have to go to him. They have to face the devil to get to the light. And 
just to, uh, just as to add to that, in terms of the quality of Herod, Herod had sided with Mark Anthony and Cleopatra, mm -hmm. and they lost to Caesar Augustus in a civil war. So he went over to apologize. After apologizing and staying in power, Caesar Augustus said to his staff, um, it would be safer to be Herod's pig than to be his <laughs> friend. You know, this is the kind of guy he was. And so it was a dangerous place to be. In yeah, no, very, a dangerous world to be yeah. in. But the fact that they, not only did they follow, again, it's a flickering light. So they must have been pretty immersed in the Jewish prophecies of Messiah mm -hmm. to believe that that star, whatever they saw in the sky, and we don't know, you know, Father, there's a thousand and one theories about was it Saturn and Jupiter in Aries in a constellation? Was it three planets converging? All of this fits the timeline. I mean, I've spoke to astrologers. They'll tell you. Um, you mean you astronomers? Know, astronomers. Yeah. They will, yeah, not astrologers, astronomers. <laughs> and they will tell you, you know, there was this astral event, there was that astral event, there was this conjunction, there was a comet here. But what did they see? Was it one event? Was it three events? We don't know. But whatever they saw, and the, th the lesson for us is you've got to keep your eyes always upward toward the things of God and not on the things of the earth, as St. Paul says. Mm -hmm. And the, the wise men lived that. They were looking. They were searching. They were not content with the things they knew or could touch and feel. They were yearning for something more. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is the one thing we can take from that part of the story anyway, yeah. without getting embroiled in whatever the conjunction was or how bright it was or whether it was moving or falling. I think that's a parlor game that you can exhaust yourself trying to figure out, but yeah. there really is no answer for that one. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, again, they had, and it may have simply been something that they could see. Or supernatural. That, yeah, exactly. It could have been something supernatural. Exactly. I mean, that, that, that's a possibility too. You yeah. can't discount that. Whatever it was, it got them to risk political intrigue as well as physical harm mm -hmm. to go and find this child. Mm -hmm. And that's the important part of the story. And I just can't fathom, and I know you know biblical scholarship far better than I. Raymond Brown and others have kind of poo-pooed the wise men as fables and creations and midrash. Mid they usually call it midrash. Yeah, kind yeah. of, kind of make-believe, mm -hmm. mythology. I can't imagine that Matthew, writing for a Jewish audience, would start his gospel with these wise men and their prophecies if there wasn't something there that we were supposed to know and that his audience yeah. at the time were supposed I, to know. I think that's right. Yeah, so the wise right. men who found Christmas really was my attempt to reinvigorate the story uh, re-explore the drama and the excitement and the adventure of it, and to bring the whole family in. Look, we're getting into very detailed history here. Some of this is in my author's note. A lot of it you can find elsewhere. First and, first and foremost, my obligation is to entertain and to enchant the audience with a great story. I tried to do that and, and enliven them to the historic reality and to restore the wise men, to rescue them from the make-believe and the fable that I think too many have attached to them. One other element that I'd also like to add to rescue them, because yeah. a little slip before by the astrologer versus yeah, astronomy. astronomy astrology. Is, some people have said to me, uh, even many years ago and still today, well, astrologers found Jesus. Why can't we do astrology? <laughs> 
Well, <laughs> apart from the fact that it's really stupid. Yeah, that's um, right. You know, the, the just so any of you, I would urge any of you to go to an astronomy book uh -huh. and take a look at the date that the sun goes into the constellations. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, by astronomical, you'll see all of the constellations that you read about in the newspaper astro astrology are a month off mm. because of the precession of the earth, uh, the 30 degrees mm. over the last 2,000 years has made all of them off They're by all a month. Off. Yeah. So that's, that's why it's just dumb. But <laughs> the other thing to note about the astrologers is that, yeah, the Magi did astrology. That was, yeah. this is, astrology is very ancient. Yeah. It goes back to uh, Middle Bronze Age mm -hmm. Babylon. Right. And they have astrological charts from then. But they, one of the things that was pointed out to me years ago in grad school is that the Magi used gold, frankincense, and myrrh in their magic. Yeah, yeah. And when they come to Jesus, not only these precious gifts, which they are, mm -hmm. but also it's a way of them taking tools of their trade. And when they see Jesus, the light of the world, huh. they give up, they relinquish the tools the, mm, of astrology. Mm -hmm. So yeah. this is, and- That's an interesting take, yeah. And the other thing too is astrology, if that's what they were using, yeah only got them to Herod the murderer. That's right, that's right. It was the Bible that got them from Herod to Jesus. Yeah, because the light goes out. They, they, they don't have the light. It comes back after they, after they meet Herod. That's in the scripture. And, and the, when the, the, the scribes read to them Micah chapter five, mm. you Bethlehem Ephrathah, yeah. right. least of the cities of right. Judah, and you, a virgin woman, right. a woman will give and, birth. And the, the explanation that some biblical scholars have offered to me is, you know, because why? The question is, if they knew the prophecy, why do they go? Why do they go to Herod and ask, "Where is the child? What's the what, what, what's the prophecy?" If they knew it, why are they asking him for it? Well, they only had a bit of it. They may yes. have only had a bit of the That's prophecy, right. and th there was a more fulsome version there. However, and that you know, you you your your take of the offering of the gifts that is. I believe one of two things, and if you look at the illustrations in my book, the, the headdresses they wear, they're clearly part of a priestly caste, mm -hmm. whether they're Zoroastrian priests, or as I think, priests of the first temple royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. um, it, it plays differently. If they're Zoroastrian priests, the offering of the gifts is sort yes. of the relinquishing of the That's magic right. and the past. Right. What, they were, what was yearning for God right. is now uh, being uh, sublimated to God. Uh, the other take, and this is kind of fascinating, Margaret Barker and others, uh, antiquity experts, people who read ancient languages as you do, have, have uh, they put together a theory that seems to work for me as well. Mm -hmm. Why would Zoroastrian priests, reading a book of Jewish prophecy, seek and risk their lives to find a Jewish Messiah. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit of a stretch, but as mm -hmm. we discussed yesterday, in Zoroastrian belief, there is a Messiah who vanquishes good and evil, mm -hmm. or vanquishes evil and, and raises the dead. That's in Zoroaster's writings. Mm -hmm. So it was part of their belief. 
However, it is more likely 700 years before Jesus, uh, uh, King Josiah casts out the first temple priesthood, the royal priesthood, what we refer to at every Mass as the Order of Melchizedek. If they were in exile, and these are their descendants living in the kingdom of Nabate, it would make sense that they would take these three gifts to this Christ child. Why? In the first temple, Gold was woven into the vestments of the first temple priesthood. Philo of Alexandria, a historian of some note, tells us this, that uh, in the first temple priesthood, they would have gold in their vestments. Secondly, frankincense was burned in the first temple and the temple successive. The thing that is unique to only the first temple worship is in the Holy of Holies, myrrh oil was reserved there. It was kept in the Holy of Holies. Why? You mentioned earlier, to anoint, but not only to anoint a king, but also to anoint new members of the royal priesthood, the order of Melchizedek. So it may be, and again, this is a working theory, and it's suggested in my book, but I don't lean into it because none of us can prove this. But there's a possibility that these wise men may have been descendants of the first temple priesthood going to the Messiah to anoint him into the royal priesthood and therefore reestablish the first temple, the ancient ways. If that is the case, it explodes the meaning of the wise men Mm -hmm. and makes this moment and the opening in Matthew's gospel so much richer because later when they call Jesus the Son of God, the anointed one, Mm -hmm. he was anointed when the wise men came and welcomed him into this royal priesthood. Of course, the final priest, the high priest, the ultimate priest. And and priesthood of Melchizedek Melchizedek. is what Christ has, as Hebrews brings out. I think this is, it it brings out these aspects of the New Testament that we call mysteries, Mm. not just because there's something incomprehensible. It's rather that they're mystery because there are so many layers of meaning right. that intrigue us and draw us in to see wider uh, mysteries and truth. And this mm. is a key thing. Okay. We have to take a little break. We're going to stop right here and come okay. back in a couple of minutes. So please stay with us. Welcome back. We are speaking with our own Raymond Arroyo about his brand new New York Times bestselling book on the Magi. And, you know, this uh, it's called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas. Uh, he's got spiders saving it, but now they're finding <laughs> it. So this is a, a good thing. And uh, something else that I'd like to, if it's all right with sure. you, Raymond, yes. uh, you had worked with Tasha Layton. Tasha Layton is this incredible uh, country and 
Christian music star. Okay. She got a copy of the book, The Wise Men Who Found Christmas, and she was kind of inspired by the story there because uh -huh. she'd never considered this, this story in this way. And she decided to cut a new single for her Christmas album of We Three Kings, but she changed the lyric so it's We Magi of Orient are. So okay. it's a little more accurate than the story we've been led to believe. So, so now, I love that Tasha did so this. So now we're going to have all these hymns changed. And all Let that. them change, yeah, Father. Yeah. Accuracy, accuracy. <laughs> all right, let's go to uh, We Magi of Orient are by Tasha Layton. Really did, nice. How did you get her to do this? Uh, a friend of mine, Molly, who's who's um, works at Sophia, uh, got the book to Tasha Layton. She was impressed with the story and inspired by it, and thought, "I, I can do a new take uh -huh. on this. It just takes a little few adjustments here and there in the lyric." And so she kind of cut the three kings out and put magi in, and go. it and it fits the meter. We three kings, yeah, right, we sir. magi. It, thank goodness it fit the meter. We didn't have to work too hard. But uh, she released that single, and it's, again, it's another way that points us to the reality of this story. And I love that she took it upon herself sure, and her sure. team decided to record that. Really, well, that's that, good. incredible, beautiful, yeah, too. It is nice. Oh, she she's got a nice very job. nice voice. Yep. Very nice. You're going to listen to that when you're out on the plane, yeah. when you're riding, when you're My pony. Good. I don't we'll put have, that on your playlist. I don't have a CD player on my horse. Oh, well, <laughs> you may think about that. Something to consider in the next model. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, you know, uh, a couple things uh, about the, the, the story. Uh, I think uh, the Magi, do they have any story after 
well, the, you know, visiting the Lord. Yeah. Uh, what, what, well, the scripture tells know, us the, they, yeah, they went home by a different path. Right. That's all it says. Right. Because an angel told them in a dream. Correct. Yeah. The angel told them. And that, you know, and I rendered all that in the book, and it's, it's, it's kind of cool because it's almost like um, in, in the book. And again, Diane LaFayer, I should have mentioned her earlier. Diane LaFayer, who did all of my illustrations, you saw some of them there in the music video. Um, she did such a beautiful job of capturing not only the historic reality of this story, but the supernatural glow and kind of wonder surrounding it. Um, and I love that she, she has such a fine eye. And when the, when the star appears, when the, babe, the angel appears to the wise men as they're sleeping, she rendered it almost like the star had come down. And when it got closer, there was an angel in the middle of it. So that that star was kind of angelic all, all, every step of the way. Um, but anyway, the angel tells them you have to go home a different path. You're, you're in danger. Herod, Herod's going to kill you if you go back to him. So they head home in different paths. What I love about it is what happened to them? We don't know. We don't really know. They probably could not have gone back to their king, King Aratus, for this reason. Herod would surely have sent a messenger saying, what happened to those wise men? I told them to come back to me, and they didn't. You send them to me. And the king would have had to put them in shackles and sent them to Herod. So they, didn't, they couldn't go back to their way of life as it was. Mm -hmm. They had to find a new way of life. In fact, they, they did have, uh, between Aratus and Jerusalem, extradition treaties. Yes, they did. That's why St. Paul was on his way to Damascus. Yes. There was an extradition treaty. Right. And he was going there to arrest people. And so, who is it that arrests him? King Aratus comes exactly. after him. It's the same king that the wise men served. Mm -hmm. So, and that's an interesting bit. I love that you mentioned St. Paul. There is now some scholarship emerging. Where did St. Paul go after his, he's knocked off the horse and where does he go? Arabia. He goes to Arabia yep. for three years, but we don't know where and we don't know who he talks to. Mm -hmm. Now, we assumed he was trained during this time, but by whom? This is a nascent Christian community. They're fighting for their lives. They're being persecuted. It's not like there's a school in Damascus. No, but there may have been wise men in Damascus, mm -hmm. men who have, they were trained. And let, let's just go down the full rabbit hole here. Let's say the wise men were indeed members of that first century priestly royal priesthood, mm -hmm. they've experienced this journey. They've touched the Christ child, worshiped him, the gospel says. They don't just go visit, they worship him. Yes. They come away full, changed, transformed. Maybe, maybe. And there is a traditional monastery that marks a spot where they believe the cave, a cave where the wise men were on their journey. Uh, and that indicates that Paul might have gone to the region and may have spent time with these wise men. And certainly, you know better than I. You've studied these works more than I, Father. And in the ancient tongue, Paul's take on Christianity, Paul's vision of it, is slightly different from everyone else's. Mm -hmm. It's mystical. Um, it, has a, it has a focus on wisdom, which is something we find in that first temple, holy wisdom. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's, it might fit that he spent some time under the tutelage yeah. of those wise men in exile. Mm -hmm. And what was the, what's the tower there, Kobar? What's that tower they say he studied at? There's a place traditionally they say Paul studied at. 
that I'm not sure. Tower of Kobar, I think it is. But there's the, a, there but, is a Tower of Kobar. But the translation is something of the star. Tower of the star. Yeah, yeah. Tower Khobar, of the star. Yeah, which is an interesting bit as well. Yeah, so. Who knows? But it's an interesting thing to think about. But we don't, the truth is, we don't know where these wise men went. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, we have an audience here, oh. and one, one of them has a question. If uh, we can get her up there to the microphone. <laughs> Ma'am, where are you from? Uh, Coleman, Alabama. Okay. It's just up the road from us. Yes, near the fact, shrine. In fact, there's a fine Benedictine monastery up yes. there. Yes. And, and a shrine. Yep, uh, and, and the shrine. And um, so what can we do for you today? So my question is, um, what is the connection between the nativity and the holy sacrifice of the Mass? Well, that's, that's one for you. Oh. You're the theologian. I'm, I'm, just a, I'm just a reporter and a family book writer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there, there are a couple things. Um, on, on one hand, later tradition, you know, this, this mm -hmm. is later interpretation mm -hmm. of the Magi, bring out that the gifts have another kind of significance. Mm. Uh, namely, gold shows Christ's royalty. Kingship. Mm -hmm. And the frankincense shows his divinity. Mm. Because, as you mentioned, frankincense was uh, an important component in a special mix uh, in the book of uh, Leviticus and in Exodus mm -hmm. that there was one mixture of different incenses mm -hmm. that could be had to be used in the temple right. and could not be used anywhere else. Mm -hmm. It was exclusive to the temple use. And... Frankincense was a big part of that. So that indicates divinity. Myrrh, as we mentioned earlier, was used for the embalming process. Mm -hmm. And it would be something that indicates our Lord's death. Mm. Now, Bethlehem itself means the house of bread. Mm. And this has often been seen as something that is a precursor to the Eucharist. And the Eucharist as sacrifice, the one sacrifice of Christ on the cross, is something that, you know, they bring out this aspect that myrrh was put on our Lord's body when he was buried. And the importance of the death of Christ, the, the Eucharist is the representation of Christ's saving death and his glorious resurrection. And the myrrh would be a symbol of that. The other aspect too is that the redemption occurs because Christ truly became human. He didn't play act. He didn't pretend to be human. He really went through the whole gestation process birth and growing up is yeah. truly human. And that humanity is what makes it possible yeah. for the sacraments, which are meant not for the angels. Angels don't need sacraments because they're pure yeah. spirits. Yeah. Humans are body and soul. Yeah. And we need 
that very concrete way of receiving God, understanding God. Mm -hmm. So it's something that gives clues that point toward the Eucharist, mm -hmm. but it's something preparatory. Well, and, and I, I, the thing that drew me down this path, because originally I was looking for legends of the wise men. I was looking for a fantastical story that, again, would focus people on the nativity. But I found so many legends and so many myths. I, 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 I said, we're all we're living in myth about these guys. The reason I thought we have to somehow root them in a historic reality is Christianity is the only faith that can boast it lives in a historic reality. Mm -hmm. It actually happened. Christ was born at this time in this place. And if that is real, then the people who pursued him must be real, or they wouldn't have been, they wouldn't have survived the oral tradition and all the persecutions to get that story to us. Yeah. That would have been lost. Yeah. As so many other, they're, they're, you know, there are all kinds of gospels that were thrown out because they were filled with error, they were filled with folklore, they were not true. No. Why did this story persist? And why do we still have Caspar and Melchior and Balthazar under our Christmas tree and in our parishes every year? I wanted to explore that. Those names, by the way, did I mention that earlier? That no, you didn't. Okay, the names, Melchior, Balthazar, Caspar, they are just derivatives of king in three different tongues. Right. Uh, Melchior, of course, you know, yeah, from is Hebrew. Yeah. Um, uh, Kaspar is from uh, German, the Kaiser, Kaspar, and, um, and Balthazar is from a dead Semitic language. But the, and that was created by Venerable Bede in about the 6th or 7th century. So again, I, kept the, I decided to keep the names because they're so familiar to us, because I thought you have to have some cultural moorings if you're going to tell this story. I didn't want to, and there are ancient names in the Coptic church, in the Armenian church, but you know, trying to pronounce those or <laughs> was not going to work as one of the wise men. So I said, I'm not going to do that. I'll keep it as it was. But it's important for us, I think, to know the evolution of these stories and the cultural mindset and appreciation of them, and then the historic reality. And it's that historic reality and biblical reality it supports that I wanted to kind of dramatize and excite families about this Christmas. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, uh, an important thing. And, you know, it's um, something that is important also because the words that were said back in the 50s already mm. when I was growing up, that we got to put Christ back in Christmas. Mm. That was said back then. Yeah. Because right. the commercialization of Christmas had really been ramped up. In the 50s, right. we were experiencing an economic boom. Mm -hmm. Toys were something much more available than they had been mm -hmm. in the 40s, the 30s, right. and, uh, because of the Depression right. and the war. And, you know, there, there was money. People were coming... Yeah you know, into their own. Well, that now, uh, I'll never forget some years ago when the city of Denver would not allow a float with a nativity set because that has nothing to do with Christmas. Oh. <laughs> this was against their Christmas parade policy to have the nativity. There will be no Christ must. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not at all. And so, you know, 
have taking time to go into these details of the gospel mm-hmm. story of the birth of Christ. Yeah. And this, this fact that you, you know, focus on the Magi, yeah. the, the feast in the Roman rite is on the 6th of January. Correct. Uh, in fact, in the Maronite rite, that's a holy day of obligation. Right. And this is important to celebrate those 12 days of Christmas. It's the conclu- exactly. conclusion of the 12 days. That's correct. So that we have this focus on Christ. Well, and and to not let these, and to not allow these stories. The world wants to either make us forget these stories or relegate them to myth. Because if the exactly. wise men are mythology, exactly. Christ and Mary and the manger, and that's all mythology too. A sweet story you tell like Santa Claus and Frosty. Mm-hmm. That's not true. And I think it's very important for families at this time of year. And it's why I wrote the spider book too. The spider is a come on. The spider is a, 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 a delectable tale to get you to focus on the nativity and the danger this family faced once the Christ child came into the world. In this case, the wise men who found Christmas, this is the real story of the wise men to alert us to the fact that we're all like either those shepherds or the wise men. Mm-hmm. We're, we're searching for the truth. How are we going to approach it? What do we do once it comes to us? Mm-hmm. And then there are still Herods lurking about, and, there are, and, the family, and the Holy Family in Bethlehem also continues to be there for us if you're willing to go looking for them. And that's what I really hope families rediscover. Like the wise men found Christmas, I hope you and your families find it again because it's important and we're losing it in so many ways. I've been saying for some years, these politicians who want, who spend a lot more time making sure that people in our culture can and will kill the children in their wombs, and they're more concerned about that than finding baby formula mm. for children that, you know, parents are having yeah. a tough time yeah, finding that. Yeah, they can't find baby formula now. These, yeah. these politicians who focus on killing the children in the womb are the Herods of the day. Mm. These are the pharaohs who killed the Hebrew children. Mm. And this wickedness is not something of myth and long ago. Mm. They're in office now. Yeah, no, the, the reflections of these stories, the reflections of these people, the spirit goes on in our age in various ways. But it's important for us to see it in all its colors, in mm-hmm. all its dimensions. In fact, you told me the, the, um, the name for the, the Petra, modern-day Petra, is mm-hmm. what? And what does it mean? Rekamu. 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 And it translates to? It means to be something that is variegated in, cult, uh, in color. Multicolored. It, multicolored. There's even a Syriac uh, cognate word that means to have freckles. Ah. Uh, and so, th- th- but as I, oh, and there's Petra. I, I love that you can see it. This is modern-day Petra, where they carved the buildings right into the sides of the mountains. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. But uh, you see, and you see the, the, the colors pop when you're there, and the sun, as the sun moves, the buildings yes. start to take on new colors. It's multicolored. But my hope is that people's Christmas will be multicolored as well. Yes. Bring the lights and the color back into Christmas. 
Don't allow this kind of commercial sheen to wash over you and the hustle and bustle of the deadlines and the gift buying and the cooking. Wash away the colors of Christmas that you need to carry you through the rest of the year, to exactly. take you down different paths exactly. as these wise men yes. went. This, this is something that, um, there, there's one other thing too that you had said I, I would like to bring out. You mentioned how we all of us are in between the simplicity yeah. of the shepherds and the, and the wisdom and training of the, the, wise, men. Uh, the wise men. Yeah. And there's a great line in St. Augustine. He said, our faith is like a river hmm. upon which a flea can swim or an elephant can drown. <laughs> that the simplest child, yeah. the simplest person is uh, able to Apprehend float it. on the mm -hmm. faith and be sustained by it. Hmm. And the smartest persons hmm. are like elephants that they could drown in it. it it's there's so much depth yeah for us to always have that sense of respect yeah. for the faith of the simple mm. but also be intrigued by the depths yeah. of faith so yeah. that it's something that is we never th I love that ignore yeah. either side and, of that yeah and between the wise men and the shepherds and by the way the shepherds show up in my story we don't think about it but when they leave Herod when the wise men leave Herod they're lost they don't know where they are, and they encounter a shepherd who went and saw the Christ child yes. at his born, right. at his birth. So there's that neat little exchange that I thought, I'm taking a little liberty there, but I don't think much. They certainly went to Bethlehem and they were asking, we know this from the scripture, where's the child, where's the child? In my book, the, the three wise men ask, they each have a little phrase they use over and over again. We have to hasten to the truth, we have to follow the light, and we have to go to the king. And those three lines change as the book goes on. Yes. It starts in one place and it ends in a very different one. And the ages of the king, that we, the, the, the wise men, or the kings as some of you think, uh, the wise men, the, they're, they're ages that have been handed down to us from Venerable Bede again. You have the older wise man, the middle-aged wise man, and then the younger one. That was created by Venerable Bede, but it is indicating that all generations are included in the faith and have to go toward it and race toward it no matter where you are in life. And that, that was a beautiful thought and, and image, I thought, that I wanted to preserve. So Absolutely. That's Again, the book is called The Wise Men Who Found Christmas by Raymond Royal here. You can get it at EWTNRC.com where it is item number 6201. Raymond, thank you for oh, being Father, with us. Thank you. Good thank to you have you here. Sure. And may the Lord bless all of you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can bring Raymond with here and in his other shows and all of the shows that we do only because the network is brought to you by you. So please remember to keep us in between your gas bill, your electric bill, and your cable bill. And we'll be able to pay all of our bills too, including his flight. So God bless you all and thank you. I'm taking an Arabian horse home. I'm not going on a flight. Good Great job. to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.